Can I get those boys in the teens now for singing? Can they get a... That was a blessing. Thank you, guys. Turn your Bible, if you would, to Luke 15. Luke 15. While you're turning there, I'd just like to thank you for... I'm not on. I'm good, right? Sorry, the special threw me off. I'd like to thank you for your prayers for my wife. Uh, she's doing well. We are trying to keep the baby inside until March-ish. She wouldn't mind the end of February. Uh, but that, that is our prayer is that she doesn't come too early and we don't have to have a, uh, a NICU trip or anything like that. So I appreciate your continued prayers uh, on, on that part. I, I trust you all had a, a good Christmas day. Uh, my wife and I went to uh, my aunt, my aunt Anne and Uncle Dave's, her aunt Anne and Uncle Dave's. They're actually the ones that introduced us and how we, uh, we got married. But that's a story for another time. Uh, we had a we had a good time. We we played a game where you you bring a present and then you get to steal presents. But it's it's a very interesting time with the cynical crew when you do it that way because it's not just five people exchanging gifts. It's thirty. So we had thirty people there playing that game. Um, there was a, a a coffee mug yeti that somebody had brought which was one of the nicer gifts, I have to say. And everybody tr kept trying to seal it. It kept going back and forth, back and forth. It probably got stolen a dozen times. Um, and then there was a, a Nerf gun that the boys wanted. And, you know, but uh, we had a good time. At one point, uh, we, had, we were in a loop. Like, there were three gifts. And we didn't make any rules at the beginning for sealing gifts. So it just kept going back and forth and back and forth. Finally, my father-in-law was just like, all right, we got to change the rules. Because everybody, they were just, three gifts kept going between uh, three people. So uh, it was a great time. Uh, enjoy the time with family. I'm, I'm, I trust you did as well. Uh, and then just the food around the, this time, you know what I mean? Like you have to prioritize leftovers. You have to be like, okay, this was, this was Christmas Eve. So I got to eat that before I eat the food from Christmas day. So that doesn't go bad. And you know, it's just, you, you got to put things in order in the refrigerator. All right. Luke 15, Luke 15. Uh, tonight, I'd like to talk about repentance, uh, not necessarily from a, a lost person's perspective, but, but a saved person's perspective. Then the title of this message is 180 degrees, 180 degrees. So let's read uh, Luke 15, 11 through 32. Verse 11 says, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there, was wasted, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent them uh, into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Uh, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me want as one of thy hired servants. But he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him 
and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to just dig into your word and look at this topic of repentance. Lord, this is something you've been uh, working with me on. Thank you for that. I pray that you'd bless it. Lord, give me the words uh, that you want me to speak. And Lord, I need your power. I need your blessing. I cannot do this without you. I pray that uh, I would uh, do my best for you and that you would work through me. And you and I pray. Amen. So what is what is repentance? This is probably, if I said, give me one story in the Bible about repentance, this might be one of the ones you go to, the prodigal son. Uh, repentance, I would say, is a change of mind towards sin, but not just a change of mind towards sin. Let's go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. The word repentance in the Bible can be used uh, simply as a change of mind. Uh, we'll see that in a, in a story we're going to look at a little bit later. And we'll see it a little bit here as well. 21 uh, verse 28, Matthew 21, 28. Jesus says, But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. So basically he's saying, uh, I'm not going to do that. But then he changed his mind. A, a lot of times we, we have repentance in the opposite way. Uh, this is basically him saying, uh, I'm not going to do it, and then he does it. Uh, sometimes um, we think of it as the, the other way. Uh, so repentance is a change of mind uh, towards sin. Let's go to Romans 12. Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is a change of mind. It is a renewing of your mind. Repentance also is turning from something and turning the other way. That's, that's where the title of the, the, the message come from, comes from, 180 degrees. So think about you're headed one way and you go the other. Let's go to, I'll just read 2 Chronicles 7. 2 Chronicles 7. You can turn there if you want. I probably have it memorized, but I don't want to risk it. All right, 714. It says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Repentance comes also with a proper attitude towards sin. Uh, I remember at camp, uh, Pastor Crone would always, not always, but sometimes he'd put in his prayer, he'd say, uh, help us to love you and help us to hate sin and see it like you see it. That was that I remember that from his prayers. So that was 
Help us to hate sin and see it like you see it. So that's part of repentance. Repentance is a change of mind towards sin. Repentance is turning from one thing or idea to another. And then uh, repentance comes with a proper attitude towards sin. What, what repentance is not necessarily? There, it might be part of it, but repentance is not simply sorrow for sin. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews 12. Uh, to go with that, uh, that Pastor Crone quote, uh, help us to hate sin and see it like you see it. I found this quote by, by Billy Sunday. He said, uh, listen, I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. I'll butt it and as long as I've got a head. I'll bite it as long as I have, I've got a tooth. And when I'm old, fistless, footless, and toothless, I'll gum it until I go home to glory and it goes home to perdition. So hating sin, hating sin. Billy Sunday hated sin, as he said in that quote. But repentance is not solely uh, or is not just sorrow for sin. Hebrews 12 Verse 17 says, For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Emotions do play a part in repentance. Emotions do play a part in even salvation. But it is not, it, it is not repentance. Sorrow for sin is not repentance. Confession is not repentance. Now, confession, again, plays a part in repentance, but it is, not, it is not the same thing. I look at it as uh, confession. Confession is about the past, and repentance is about the future, what you're going to do in the future and how you're going to treat uh, a sin. But often, often we, even as I was studying this, Repentance is usually uh, dedicated to, or we focus on repentance a lot when it comes to salvation, which rightfully so, we should. But we often leave it for the unsaved, and we don't think about ourselves when it comes to repentance. Uh, Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, Jesus says to uh, four different churches, four different churches in uh, of the, is it seven? Seven churches in, in, in Revelation. Four of them, he tells them to repent. He told uh, Ephesus in verse 5 of chapter 2, uh, Pergamos in 16 of chapter 2, Sardis of chapter 3, verse 3, and Laodicea of chapter 3, uh, cha- uh, verse 19. Now, Christian repentance, as we know, Christian repentance really has nothing to do with salvation and keeping your salvation, but... It helps us to become more like Christ and be closer to him. So why, why is repentance often ignored, uh, especially for salvation? What do we hear for salvation? Uh, I hope we don't hear it from the, this pulpit, and I don't think we do, but you'll hear it from other people that maybe are on our stripe, and they'll say, give your heart to Jesus, right? That's what we, we hear, give your heart to Jesus. Well, your, your, your heart 
does no good, right? Our heart is full of sin. Uh, We hear, let Jesus come into your heart. Then we hear, uh, come as you are, which is is true to to a certain extent. Uh, Jesus can take your sins and uh, take care of them for you. Uh, Repentance requires change. Repentance requires change. Uh, I, I often say, if you're not changing, you're not getting better, right? Now, you can also change for the worse. So I'm not saying all change is good or all change is bad. Uh, my wife likes to or- reorganize things or move furniture. And every time she does, I say, what are you doing now? What are you moving, right? And then she's like, don't worry, don't worry. Just wait until the end, all right? And usually, usually I'll say, you know, yeah, this is pretty good. I do like this. So she's like, see, you like change. You like change. And there is a certain amount of change that I do like. Um, But change really is important. A lot of us don't like change. A lot of us don't embrace change. But if I I ask you, hey, how have you changed in the last year? And you say, oh, no, 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 I, I, you know, I don't change. I stay the same. Well, that's not good. You, you got to grow, right? You have to grow. Then, now, this isn't the same as, as Jesus Christ, the, the same yesterday, today, forever. We're talking about the attributes of God when we talk about that, right? We're, we're talking about change as far as sin and getting closer to God and uh, things of, of the Christian nature like that. Uh, another reason uh, that uh, repentance is overlooked is people don't like to be told they're wrong. Uh, if you look around, people like to feel righteous, right? Um, I always, again, I don't, I don't care if you get a vaccine. I don't care if you wear a mask, right? But you will hear people say, oh, I got my vaccine for my grandma, or I got it for so-and-so. I got it for this person. I got it for this person. Instead of uh, making the decision themselves, they're saying, I did it for so-and-so, right? So it makes them look righteous, right? Uh, To go along with that, uh, I think Amelia Bronson asked me a question one time in teens. This is the kind of stuff we talk about in teens. She said, if someone asks me if we're a cult, how do I reply to that? So I I gave her an answer, but I, I I kept thinking about, well, okay, what other things could we say? And I thought about the Baptist acrostic. You ever heard of the Baptist acrostic? What is the I in in the Baptist acrostic? It's individual, soul, liberty, right? That's what we teach. That is one thing we teach. I'm going to have a hard time finding a cult that that, uh, teaches individual, soul, liberty, all right? So Amelia, I hope you're watching that. That was for you. Um, So individual, soul, liberty. We have that uh, and I don't know where that was in my notes, and it's not there. So, uh, But people don't like being told they're wrong. They like to feel righteous. <clears throat> uh, we read the this, this story of the prodigal son, uh, and one thing I know, we'll get to this at the end a little bit because we're going to go back there, uh, but one thing I know about the prodigal son, he didn't just uh, spiritually turn, he also had to physically turn. He had to turn from where he was physically and turn the other way to go back home. But even Christians say things like, 
Uh, you know, you're fine the way you are. We hear that. You're perfect just the way you are. But what kind, what kind of message does that send to someone who doesn't think they're in a very good place? Who even, uh, I think Pastor mentioned um, from last week, the Friday Church News Notes talked about suicide, right? If someone's in, a, in an emotional state that isn't very good and you tell them, oh, you're fine the way you are, you're telling them that that's, that's as good as it's going to get. That is, not, that is not a good thing uh, to buy into. Uh, I know if many of you know who uh, Jordan B. Peterson is, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Again, he's not, I don't think he's a Christian, uh, but uh, another, again, we need to glean, as Pastor said this morning. Uh, he said, you're okay the way you are is not the right story. The right story is uh, you're way less than you could be. Uh, he, and he also said, you're not just perfect the way you are. You could be better. So to, to apply this to a Christian, you could say, you need to get closer to God. You can get closer than where you are. So what's the, what's the opposite of a repentant spirit? Let's go to 1 Samuel. First Samuel 15. We're going to start in verse 10 and probably go down to verse 23, I believe. 15.10. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying... So this is the story of uh, the Amalekites, where Saul was told... Saul was told to, to slay all the Amalekites in, in the king of Amalek. Verse 11 says, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. Again, that's a, uh, what I was referring to earlier, a change of mind. For he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold... He set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the, Amal from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed." Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey, and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? But didst uh, fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the spoil, sheep, and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord 
as, as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. I'm going to stop there for a minute. So what do we see from Saul here? We see someone who is not repentant. So I want to look at some characteristics of Saul here. So you can look at the characteristics that Saul shows here and kind of examine yourself to see if you lean toward repentance or if you don't lean toward repentance. Verse 15, what did Saul say? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Uh, this is excuses for sin. A non-repentant person makes excuses for sin. Verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? You know what a, a non-repentant person is? They're proud. They're proud. They think their way is better. They think that uh, the way they're going is fine. Again, they don't like to be told. Uh, they don't like to be told they're wrong. Uh, I know the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil, but I always feel like one of the roots near it has to be pride because it seems like pride in the Bible is one of those things that, that either is followed up by sin or, or is even in, most, most of the time is at least involved in sin. Verse 20. Another characteristic of a non-repentant heart. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. You know what a non-repentant person does? They lie. They lie. Uh, the, and Saul didn't obey the voice of the Lord. So we see they have excuses for sin. They're proud. They lie. Verse 21. But the people took of the spoils, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. You know what a non-repentant person does? They blame shift. They blame shift. How about this one? Did you hear so-and-so brought COVID to Freedom Baptist Church? Uh-oh. 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 Blame shifting. Yep. Right? Yep. Blame shifting. Verse 11. Verse 11. It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all day night, uh, all, all, all night. Uh, another thing that a non-repentant heart does is it causes others grief. Um, it causes others grief. You see here that Samuel, it said, and he cried unto the Lord all night. You know what? What I know about the, the father of the prodigal, he grieved. He probably had some nights he stayed up. He probably had some nights that he didn't get a lot of sleep. So the non-repentant heart makes excuses for sin, is proud, they lie, 
They blame shift and they cause others grief. I'm going to read verse 23 because I stopped at 22, I believe. Uh, 15, 23. This is kind of uh, one of the hinges of the message. So if you don't get anything else. Verse 23, for rebellion as it is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. That's such an interesting verse to me, and it always was. And I remember I used to do a, um, a Becca videos, and we, we had a, a Bible class, and he talked about this verse. And I remember this, I don't know how old I was, but I was probably a young teenager, maybe even younger. Uh, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Whoa! Um, I was just telling the teens, you know, growing up, there were certain temptations for me for, for sin, but witchcraft? Like Harry Potter, all that stuff, that was never a temptation to me. I don't know why. I praise the Lord it wasn't. But witchcraft and, and the Ouija board, that was not a temptation for me. But then you read for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Whoa. Why? The, the teacher, I remember him saying, think about, think about yourself walking toward Jesus. If, let's say Jesus is over here, and I'm walking toward Jesus and I decide to rebel, and I turn 180 degrees, and I start walking the other way. I'm walking away from Jesus and toward Satan's ways. I'm walking toward the ways that do not please God. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. How do you, re how do you recover from from rebelling, you have to turn the other way. You have to take the 180 degree turn and head back toward the Savior. <clears throat> so let's, let's do an example here. Uh, actually, one, one more thing. There's a sign in town. It, I think it's gone now. But I was thinking about this verse while I was thinking about that sign. Uh, the sign says... We are all God's children. You guys know what sign I'm talking about? Might be near an equality building in town too. Uh, anyway, uh, so what's, the, I mean, obviously there's a problem with that. But what are they saying? They're, they're, if we're all God's children, then there's nothing unique about us, right? There's nothing, uh, John 8.44, I always, I'm not going to actually do this, but I always want to like go hang a, little sign next to it that says John 8, 44, and make them look it up. And it says, Year of your father, the devil. <laughs> right? So not all of us are God's children. And rebellion can sneak in if we're not careful. Let's turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 12. Let's look at a repentant heart. 2 Samuel 12, 7 through 13. Start in verse 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. This is with Nathan dealing with the sin of David and Bathsheba. 
says, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such, a th uh, such and such things. Wherefore, Hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto, unto thy neighbor." and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, this is, this is the critical time, what, what's his initial response going to be? This is David's response. I have sinned against the Lord. A lot shorter than, than uh, Saul's, Saul's uh, uh, talking there, right? And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Uh, let's go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. This is the psalm, the repentant psalm of David regard, regarding this story. So we only see a little bit from David there, but we see a lot more here in, in his prayer uh, of repentance. Psalm 51. I'm going to read the whole psalm. Psalm 51, verse 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Always interested to see the word throughly in your Bible, that a lot of versions might change to thoroughly. Throughly means completely. Thoroughly means, yeah, you did a pretty good job. This says, Wash me throughly from mine iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be, just, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom." Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach to the transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. 
with burnt offerings and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. So that those uh, 19 verses show the repentant spirit of David. Uh, first, I'd like to highlight the things you don't see. You don't see excuses. You don't see, well, Bathsheba should, really shouldn't have been bathing where other people could see her, right? That's not his excuse. He's taking responsibility for his sin. Uh, and he's, he's, he's not having excuses. And he's also not, again, he's not blame shifting. So what do we see that he shows uh, in his repentant spirit? Verse 2. Verse 2 says, Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. One of the main things I see from David here is a desire to be clean. Do you have a desire to be clean? That is one uh, aspect of a repentant spirit is a desire to be clean. Verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Uh, as we read in, in uh, 2 Samuel, there was an immediate acknowledgement of sin. An immediate acknowledgement of sin. When we are confronted or we see sin in our lives, do we immediately acknowledge that sin? Number three, verse, uh, verse four says, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. He recognized that he personally sinned against a holy, righteous God. In him only did he sin against. You know, one of the themes I think this year for myself is realizing how, how amazing it is and how good it is to have a personal, individual Savior. Not, not, a, not a priest we have to go to, uh, we were talking in teens this morning how the, the New Testament calls us priests. We are priests. Um, <clears throat> we have the personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, but with this personal relationship, it can be devastating when you transgress his law. Uh, when you're really close to maybe your wife or a good friend and you, you transgress against them, Man, your, your relationship's a, lo a little messed up. There's some recovery that has to be done there, right? Uh, it's the same thing with your heavenly father. Uh, you have a good personal relationship. You're in the word. You're, you're praying every day like you should. And then you mess up. That's tough. You, you, have, a, you have a personal relationship, and it, it hurts when, uh, when you don't have that fellowship, when you don't have that relationship because of the transgression. So you need to recognize uh, that you personally sinned against the holy God. Verse 12, verse 12 of Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. A repentant spirit is someone who wants that restoration. They want the restoration of joy, and they want the restoration of fellowship. So a repentant spirit has a desire to be clean, immediately acknowledges sin, recognizes they uh, personally, individually sinned against a holy God, and they have a desire to restore joy and fellowship. 
And again, what we don't see, we don't see the excuses like, like we saw with Saul. We don't see the blame shifting. And there's some other things in there that also that we don't see that we saw with Saul. So let's apply this. How can we, how can we practice repentance in our lives? Let's turn to Psalm 139. It's always good to see examples in, in the scripture, but okay, now, now what? What's that mean? Like, I think last, the last time I preached, I, I preached a message called Do Something, right? So you've got to act on it, right? Uh, how to lean toward repentance in a way from rebellion. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Again, we see we see a a picture of a path there going a certain direction. Search me, O God. You should be willing and wanting to have God point out your faults. And when you see those faults and they're pointed out, repent of them. Change how you think about them, and change your attitude uh, toward them. I, I like, I really like real estate. Um, I like houses. After looking at our house, I still look at houses every once in a while. I'm, we're not planning to move, but like, I just like to look at houses, right? One of the things that you do before you buy a house, most people anyway, unless it's a really bad housing market like it is right now and you decide to forego it, but you have an ins inspection, What's that inspector for? That inspector is not there to go, oh, that's such a beautiful red front door. I just love your front door. That, that's a really, really nice front door, right? No, that's not what they're there for. They're there to point out the flaws. They want you to know what you're about, what you're about to get into, right? If you buy this house, you, you might have this problem. There might be water in the basement. There might be, uh, you know, problems with that house, Right? That's the same thing when we ask the Lord to search us, right? Hey, we, I want to know what the problem is so I can take care of it. That's one of the, the characteristics of a repentant heart is they say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And then when it's pointed out, take care of it. James, James chapter 4 James 4, verse 8. It says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. I love this verse because it doesn't say, Draw nigh to God, and he'll be where you left him. Right? It doesn't say, Draw nigh to God, uh, and he'll step backward a few steps so you go faster, right? It doesn't say that. It says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. He's going to come closer as you come closer. So draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. There really is no substitute for Bible reading, 
and prayer. As Pastor said, there's you know these these are fantastic. I've done, I I haven't done them in the last couple of years, like he said, but I have done them in the past, and they're fantastic. But as he said, just do it. Read your Bible. Pray. Find a plan that works for you and works for your timeline, uh, and do it. Uh, James four. So the way you lean toward repentance and away from rebellion, the number one way is search me, ask him to search you. Number two is draw nigh to God. And then James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. You know what? Humility is important, important for being repentant. Uh, if you compare and contrast those two, two stories that we looked at with Saul and David, there's humility all over David. You can tell that David has a humble heart and he wants that restoration of joy and fellowship. With Saul, I don't see any humility. He blamed others. He didn't take responsi responsibility for himself, for his own actions, when he was in charge. Right? So humility is one way we can lean toward repentance and away from rebellion. So my question tonight, what direction are you facing? Are you facing repentance or are you facing rebellion? Uh, as I was writing this up, I thought of math. Go figure. Uh, who, who here remembers what a Euclidean vector is? Anybody remember that term? Or just a vector. A vector, right? So a vector is a geometric object that has length and direction. That's all it is. Real, real simple. Just a line and then away it's going, right? That's what repentance is like. We are, we are, headed, we are headed in one direction and we might be real far gone toward, toward rebellion, we might be maybe right in the middle, or hopefully we're headed toward God uh, with that repentant spirit. Right now, where you sit, are you walking toward God or away from God? Uh, this year, uh, I decided that I needed to build different habits. One of the habits that I try, that I that I am building and still in the process of building, is flossing. I'm curious, how many of you floss on a regular basis? Oh, that's, that's pretty good. I'm impressed. Okay, so uh, confession time then. I didn't floss very much before this year, okay? Uh, so I, I was, I was, I think I went to the dentist, which I'm terrible with the dentist too. I, I went for the first time this year in many, many years. Let's, that's topic for another time. Uh, but at, like on the way home or something or, or shortly after, I said to myself, why don't I floss? That was almost going to be the title of this message, but I decided not to. I'm like, why don't I floss? Right? And it's like, I know it's good to do. You know it's going to pre prevent, you know, problems with your teeth. You know it's going to help your breath. My wife appreciates that. Uh, you know it's you know it's going to prevent cavities, which saves you money in the long run, right? So why don't I floss? And that's when I decided to build 
that habit, right? That's a lot like, uh, you know, the Bible says that confusing passage in the Bible where it basically says uh, all the stuff you want to do, you're not doing, right? I'm paraphrasing very, very badly. Uh, but why don't you repent? Why don't you get closer to God? As I ask myself about why don't I floss, right? Um, just a couple questions and a couple quotes and we'll, we'll close. Uh, are you willing to admit when you are wrong? Is there a sin that God needs to change your mind on? When's the last time you allowed the Lord to change your mind about a sin? All right, we're going to get specific now. Here we go. When's the last time you stopped a movie because you were convinced it didn't please God? When's the last time you deleted an app on your phone because you thought it could lead to sin in your life? When's the last time... This is, this is for the book addicts in our, in our church. I know we have a lot of book people. That's fine. That's good. I'm not. I, I like to listen to books. Uh, when's the last time you stopped reading a book because you thought it would lead to wrong thoughts or sin in your life? When, and to go with that, when, when's the last time you stopped a thought that you knew was wrong? The closer you are to God, the more you will see yourself for who you truly are. Uh, you think about this with lost people, and sometimes they're like, oh, I'm not that bad, right? You'll hear that a lot from lost people. I'm not that bad. Um, why, why do they think that? It's because they're not close to God. They're nowhere near God, right? If you're thinking, oh, I had a pretty good day today. When's the last time you just said to yourself before you went to bed, how much did I sin today? Oh, I had a pretty good day today. And that's not good. It's probably not good. Charles Spurgeon said, Do not sit down and try to pump up repentance from the dry well of a corrupt nature. It is contrary to the laws of your mind to suppose that you can force your soul into that gracious state. Take your heart in prayer to him who understands it and say, Lord, cleanse it. Lord, renew it. Lord, work repentance in it. The more you try to produce penitent emotions in yourself, the more you will be disappointed. However, if you believingly think of Jesus dying for you, repentance will burst forth. Remembering what Jesus did for us will bring on repentance. We'll close with this. Go to Romans 2. Romans 2. Romans 2, verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? What truly leads to repentance? Remembering who your father is. Remembering how good he is to you on a daily basis and an eternal basis. Uh, let's go back to Luke, Luke 15. Luke 15, 17 
says, and when he came to himself, he, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. What did the prodigal son remember? He remembered the goodness of his father. How do we get into a repentant spirit? All of these things are helpful that we talked about, uh, but I think this is one of the number one things. Remember the goodness of your father. Remember how good he is to you and how uh, good he was to you by dying on the cross to pay for your sins. We can trust him for eternity. That means we can trust him uh, day by day. And we can also uh, use these things that we mentioned tonight and that we studied out to have a repentant spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach. I thank you for your word and how, how clean it is and how pure it is. Lord, help us to stay in your word and, and pray and seek your face, Lord. We need to turn toward you. We need sometimes in certain areas of our lives where we're being rebellious and where, um, as your word says, the rebellion is, is the sin of witchcraft. We're facing the wrong way. And Lord, we, we need to do an about face and take that 180 degree turn and to turn toward you and repent and, and step closer to you so we can uh, honor you and please you in, in everything we do. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us tonight uh, as we think about uh, this word and, and this idea of repentance. In your name I pray. Amen.